welcome to the Nourished Soul podcast, where we talk about all things body, mind, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Kelly Ritter. I cannot think of a better way to come off of a series called Meat for Mental Health here on the Nourished Soul podcast than an interview with Ribeye Rach. I absolutely adore Rachel. She is such an inspiration. You are going to love her. If you don't know who she is, you will now. She's very popular in the meat kind of carnivore, ketovore world, but a lot of people maybe on this show maybe haven't heard of Ribeye Rach as she goes by, but Rachel has an incredible story of healing from chronic illness. So we go into all about the nervous system and her healing journey. And she's just delightful. So I think you're going to like this one. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoy talking to Ribeye Rach. Yay. Rachel, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to me about your healing journey. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I know so many people know you're very popular in (laughs) in the carnivore world, especially, but I'm not sure that all of the people that listen to my show are going to know who you are and have heard about you. So I thought we could probably start with before chronic illness. So tell me a little bit, right? Tell me about you. Like, who are you? What do people maybe not know about before chronic illness? Who is, and and before ribeye rage was even ribeye rage. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so tell me, take me back further. Okay, yeah. So growing up, I I lived in North Carolina and I was always very active. And in my age years, I was in the marching band. That's not something that I share very often, but I did band in high school. And what did I, you play? I played clarinet. All right, okay. Yeah, and then I went off to college and I got really into rock climbing and that really became my passion. And so um, when I was in college, I ended up becoming a climbing coach and did do a little bit of competitive climbing. And that was really my main passion, the outdoors, hiking, backpacking, anything to do with climbing, being outside was really what I loved and still love. Right. But at the end of college, uh, that's when I started to become really sick. And so I lost a lot of the things that I loved over the past seven years or so. And over the last couple of years that I've been healing, I've been getting so much back and I'm really, really grateful. I know I love seeing you hiking and doing rock climbing, all the things that you get to do again. Yeah. And when in that did you get married? Because you got cute. You guys are a cute couple. (laughs) Thank you. So I actually got married five years ago. So it was actually, I was, I got sick not too long after I started dating my now husband and he stuck by my side the whole time. And so I had a very unusual dating experience and newlywed experience and I actually we knew we wanted to get married pretty early on but we waited a couple years because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be well before getting married but then 
we ended up just deciding to go for it. And it was a really good thing that we did because my health got a lot worse after our wedding. We were actually able to like, given the circumstances, we were able to have a really, really nice wedding. So, yeah. yeah. And what happened? So what do you know the turning point of when you started getting sick? Do you know what, what it was? Yeah. So I, I have, I have my guesses. So for those that may not be familiar with my story, I'll just kind of give an overview of what I was diagnosed with sure. and what illnesses yeah. I have had slash have. <laughs> so I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder, dysautonomia or POTS, TRI malformation, which is basically when the, the bottom of the brain like starts going into the spinal canal and can compress the brainstem high pressure in my brain, adrenal insufficiency, chronic Lyme disease, gastroparesis, the list kind of goes on. And I think everybody with chronic illness kind of has like their, their perfect storm, right? So growing up, I, I ate a pretty standard American diet, so I wasn't fueling my body properly. And when I got to college, I probably was eating even worse. And I was really, really pushing my body hard. Like I was just burning the candle at both ends. I was the type of person that just said yes to everything. And oh so, God. you know, I would go on a weekend trip, but then I'd have to get up after a couple hours of sleep to study so that I could do all my tests. And I just wanted to, to excel in like all areas of my life. And I wanted to be able to do everything. And when not fueling your body right, not taking care of your body properly and not resting well, that's kind of a recipe for something bad to happen. Right. So your body was like, hey, Rach, can't take anymore. Yeah. yeah. I always say it's, I don't know how you feel about the soul, but the soul to me screams through the body like, hey, on the wrong track. You're trying to like help us out. And sometimes we're just not listening. And so it has to get worse or we just don't know. I mean, we just, you know, who knows yeah. how to help yourself when it starts to. And I think our society has such a, a culture of just push through it. Just do as much as you can. Yeah. The more you do, the better. And it's kind of just like push through it. And so that's what I always did. And even as I was getting sick, I, my, my guesses for, you know, the triggers of why I got sick was obviously the combination of not feeling my body rights, running my body, body ragged. And as well as I think there was probably some sort of infectious components yeah. sort of trigger. And as I really believe that the trigger really doesn't matter so much as how your body is able to respond and handle stress. Yeah. And so that's something that's really not that important to me to know for sure. But I think that, you know, that those were the main things that really set off my illness. I was, I kept having kind of a reoccurrent mono infection ever since I was like a teenager. Yeah. And that just kept coming up positive. And my doctors were like, I've never seen this before. Like, how can you have active mono for this long? <laughs> and so I kind of like had from when I was 15 to when I was 20 and got really sick, I had a couple of episodes of like, right, have a month or two of just like really being wiped out and not, like very fatigued and, and not being able to do much. But when I really, really got sick was when I was, when I was 20. And so at that point I was just, I, I was exercising probably four to five day, days a week, about 
three to four plus hours a day. And so it was, it was a lot for my body. And my inclination when I was getting sick was just to try to push through it and to try to continue exercising and try to continue going to school and try to continue doing everything I was doing. And it got to the point where I just couldn't do that anymore. Right. No, because you were in and out of the hospital. You looked a mess. You yes. were in a neck brace and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say the word, you know, I had during like my seven years of, of chronic illness, I had definitely had phases that were ups and downs and phases that were worse than others. But at my worst, the, for probably two to three years was when I was essentially bed bound. And I just I honestly, like I was dying <laughs> and so I went the Western medicine route for probably three to four years, probably four years almost. Sure. And I was given all sorts of medications. I was given major surgeries. I had five brain and neurosurgeries. I had life-threatening infections where I was in the hospital, IV antibiotics, all the things. I lost a lot of weight. I've actually, I've actually gained 50 pounds since my lowest weight. And so... I was very close to needing a feeding tube. I was in severe pain all the time, dizziness, like I could barely be upright. I could barely, I, I needed help to walk. I couldn't even be home alone by myself. Like my, we ended up having to move closer to my parents because my, my husband had to work obviously. And like, we needed help. And so. Right. Um, so it sounds like you had amazing people around you. Yes. And you were doing all the, this is what we do. I hear this story all the time, right? That we do what we think we have to do and you're relying on doctors and all of these things. Yeah. So at what point did it click for you that maybe you wanted to do something differently? And what, where did you start? Like, was that with nutrition or something else? Yeah. So honestly, one of the, one of the, I guess, moments for me when I really started to realize I needed to go a different route was when I was being recommended six brain surgery. They were wanting to put a shunt into, into the ventricles of my brain to drain out the excess fluid and pressure from that area. And I just didn't feel right about it because I had been like, you know, for all these years, I had been doing everything my doctors had told me I was I was going to be top doctors for the conditions I had. And I'm, I was very blessed in that, like, we were able to, my family was able to support me and we were able to make it happen to go see these top doctors. And, and, but the thing is, is that's not what get, got me better at all. And, and that story is, is very common. I, I hear it all the time, but yeah. I, I knew that if I wanted to survive, I had to do something different and it just didn't feel right to be having another surgery when I was at my sickest after these surgeries that were supposed to get me better. Right. And so that was really the, the trigger for me. And I actually, I started, I was with going to a naturopathic doctor. Okay. And I, he diagnosed me with Lyme disease and started me on a treatment that actually like kind of stirred things up for me more, kind of got me worse, but it, it was kind of just the entry level of like, oh, maybe there's another way to go. And right. so naturopathic medicine was, was not what got me better, but it was <laughs> kind of an entry into this whole different, different world of healing. Yeah. And so I did about a year and a half of Lyme treatments and that got me from about 
1%. I like to say 1% because I was in bed all the time. I wasn't able to do pretty much anything. I was very dependent on others for just my overall care. And so I think that got me from about 1% to, to 2%. And that was huge, but it was also like, I was still severely, severely ill. And I was like, if that's what a year and a half of this gets me, like that's not enough. Right. And so then I, I started looking into a little bit of diet stuff and a little bit of nervous system stuff. One of our neighbors actually recommended, I don't know if you've heard of Joe Dispenza, uh-huh. but he recommended the book, You Are the Placebo. And I read it very reluctantly. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you bed. added that, Rachel. Thank you. Like, yes. Reluctantly, I read this book. Yeah. Yes. And I was so uncomfortable the whole time I read it, but I was like, wow. I mean, if, if this stuff is real, if what he's saying in this book is real, there's got to be something to this sort of thing. And mm-hmm. Joe Dispenza's work wasn't really what ended up resonating with me and getting me better, but it was kind of something that got me a little bit more open-minded to the nervous system regulation world. And yes. so at that point, I heard a couple of people in my sport groups talking about the carnivore diet, saying that all their pain went away when they started carnivore. And then I just went down all the rabbit holes of carnivore diet. And yeah. at first it sounded crazy to me. I've always, well, growing up was leaning more towards vegetarian. I was vegetarian for a couple months. That didn't go so well um, when I was sick, but I didn't eat very much meat and definitely didn't eat much red meat at all. And so it just sounded completely insane, which it does to most people when they first hear about it. I just was finding amazing story after amazing story. And so I really felt like it was what I needed to do. And, and my faith has been a big part of my, of my whole chronic illness journey. And I, I felt God led me to, to this and led me through all, all these things for a reason. But I really felt that this was the right thing for me to do. And so... I started the carnivore diet and within a couple of months, I was able to be upright more. I was able to spend more time with family. I was able to cook my own meals and I was still very sick, but it was, it was significant progress. And, and my family saw it and they, they could tell. And at first, you know, when, when I was starting carnivore, they were cooking me my meals and they were supporting me because I couldn't do that for myself, but definitely made a significant difference. I think one of the biggest improvements that it brought me was just my overall capacity to do things. So I wasn't having quite a severe of fatigue crashes when I overdid it. And I was able to, you know, just be out of bed for more hours during the day. Amazing. And so at that point, I... I kind of wanted the diet to be my one thing. Oh, of course. Better. Yeah, we all do that, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and it wasn't, but it nope. was a big part yeah. of it for me. And then I was, and at that point I started looking into brain retraining and I read some books about nervous system regulation and um, brain rewiring and limbic system. And it's, I knew that that was what I needed to do next. And I ended up starting the DNRS program about, I would say eight months after I started the carnivore diet. And I would say at that point I was, I had already implemented a lot of the things that I had learned about nervous system regulation and brain retraining. I was, you know, 
telling myself all these mantras like you're safe you're healing and doing things like spending a lot of time outside grounding sunlights and just trying to redirect any negative thought patterns trying to believe that I could get better and just overall trying to shift my thoughts away from illness yeah and so I think that set me up for making a lot of progress initially with brain retraining so within the first three weeks or so of starting DNRS I I walked to the end of my driveway for the first time and so it's it's an interesting like perspective to have because people were like wow you, well, you carnivore made you improve so much and I'm like yeah but I still couldn't even walk to my drive like to the end of my driveway and so I did that and then within another week or so I, I walked a mile for the first time That's and so it was for me especially with the the dysautonomia and pot symptoms and brain retraining was really what helps the most right. and it makes sense because those symptoms are essentially a dysregulated nervous system. So. Exactly. Yeah. So it <laughs> and, sounds like the whole time though, you're somebody who really listens to your gut and I, which is really hard for people when you're not eating nutritious food and you, even if you think you are eating a lot right. of nutritious foods, like people who are eating a lot of plants and they think they're doing the right things, but they actually aren't getting, they're not absorbing the nutrients. Right. So for you, it seems like you still had a sense of what was right and wrong. And you were really paying attention to some, something on inner, yes. um, inner wisdom. Definitely. Definitely. And I, I was, it was a combination of that. And I think just sheer desperation as well. I, I yeah. told myself when I had kind of that turning point of I can't go the Western medicine route anymore. I don't think I will survive if I do that. And honestly, if I continued going down the Western Western medicine route, I don't think I would be alive. And that's just wild to me. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so grateful that I decided to go a different way. And yeah. I, at that point, I just told myself, you're going to be open-minded to literally anything and everything. And that that's a hard thing to do when you're used to just people telling you oh you need to find a good doctor you need to find the right treatment for you to get better but I was like you know what I'm just going to be open-minded and I'm going to listen to other people's recovery stories and I'm going to start believing that I can recover no matter what a doctor might tell me and you know all, all those things added up and contributed yeah. to my recovery. So. Yeah. And the whole time, how was your mental health? Because I can't imagine that you just kept a positive outlook the whole time and didn't have any anxiety or depression sinking in. Yeah. What's interesting is I actually, I didn't have any severe mental health issues. I, I never was diagnosed with depression. I I felt like, and then one of the reasons why I was thinking brain retraining wouldn't work for me is because I thought I had a pretty positive attitude already. Uh -huh. And I always like, I don't know. I, I definitely had patterns of grief right. and just what I lost and how my life changed and how I went from being very physically strong to not being able to do things for myself, not being able to provide for myself. Yeah. And 
just, I think the patterns of grief were where I really struggled the most mentally. And I did develop a bit of like social anxiety just because I felt so different. Alien. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just alienated in general. And so those rare occasions where I, I was around other people when I was sick was, it made me pretty anxious. And I never had, like growing up, I never had a history of anxiety. I've always been a very calm person. And I remember I actually shared a video about this about a year ago saying that brain retraining was really helping me. And somebody said, you're not stuck in fight or flight. You're very calm. Like I can tell, you know, the way that you talk, you're, you're just very calm. And I'm just like, but that, that's not like, that doesn't mean you can feel calm and still be very dysregulated. And yes. so I yeah. guess, yeah, it, my mental health certainly struggled, but I, my faith was something that really mm-hmm. kept me going. And um, we always, we had a saying that we tried to laugh every day and no matter what we were going through, like me and my husband would always find a reason to laugh or a reason to smile. And yeah, that helps, helped us get through it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And how's it been? So you've been healing, healing, healing. And the last couple of years, I mean, I've been watching you just <laughs> heal and heal and all the new things and the car ride and then the plane ride and then the, all the things. And it's so exciting. I think that's why, you know, everybody's cheering you on, even all these people that you don't know, on social <laughs> media, not the people who are like, you're not regulated. You, you don't even have a problem with fight or flight. I'm like, okay. Okay. Not those people, but the majority of the people I think have been rallying around you because it's so inspirational. We have watched you really, I mean, you're, you are kind of a bright, sunshiny person. And so that has always kind of shine. that's been shining through the whole time. But to watch you has been so inspiring for people. So, I mean, I'm grateful that you've put it out there, that you continue to show like, this is where I am now. This is how I'm healing now. That's really kind of you to say. No, it's true. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm just laying out what's true. So for you, I'm sure at some, there have been times where it might've gotten a little discouraging, but once you hit this, like, you're like, okay, I'm, I've found some things that are really working for me. It seems like you hit a stride and just kept going. So talk to me a little bit more about that journey. Like what has been probably the most helpful things in, in your healing? Yeah. So I would say, honestly, something I've learned is that the most important part of healing comes from within and it sounds cheesy, but when you take hold of your recovery story, then everything kind of starts to change. And when I stopped desperately relying on doctors to save me or the perfect treatment or the right doctor and stopped desperately researching my symptoms and my conditions and going through Facebook groups and all these things and just letting go of that and learning to rely on my body to heal and learning to accept that my body has an innate ability to heal. That was a big turning point for me. And then also just letting myself fully believe that I could recover and letting go of, of limiting beliefs and just 
not going from, I always, you know, had a positive outlook of, I'm going to try to get the best possible outcome given my XYZ conditions. And when I let go of that and just said, no, like I can fully recover. That was a, a big turning point for me. And I think a lot of people, when they hear brain retraining, it's almost like a trigger for them. They're like, well, I have a real illness. So that couldn't help me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I get that because I think it just takes a long time for people to, to really understand the mechanisms behind it and the science behind it and why it's so important for our body to be able to get into a place where you feel safe so that you can actually heal. Exactly. So that's my big thing. That is safety and stability are first, right? And so when I started learning that on a cellular level, we can be in a danger response, like our cells are in a danger response and then we can switch that. And so the more safety signals that we have, so the environment that you're in, the light, the food that you're eating, all of the, your movements, your, all of these things, not just like things I do love, you know, mantras and telling yourself things and all of that. And it's more than that. So you want as many safety signals as possible. And then when I started really learning about DHA and the fatty acid DHA and how important it is, but it's actually a safety signal for us as humans. I was like, what? I knew, oh, that's cool. I didn't yeah, know that. I knew that seafood, if people can eat seafood was yeah. really important for the DHA, but I didn't realize that it was creating a safety signal in ourselves. So, I mean, like stuff. That is really cool. I, I love all those connections. I, I, I yeah. totally geek out over them whenever I'm I do too. reading I do. books and all these things. It's yeah. It's amazing how it all kind of connects back to the nervous system. It all comes back to the nervous system and our emotions and our immune system and our nervous system are inextricably connected. So to talk about one separately, it doesn't even really make sense. They're all, it's all connected. So I love, you know, everything that you put out showing people the way that you're healing. And for you, I love too, that you, you went carnivore, you were carnivore for a bit and still pretty, looks like you're pretty animal based still, but talk a little bit about just nutrient dense foods. And then also, because it looks like to me, you figured out that your mitochondria don't need to be in winter all the time in North Carolina. So you're fixing some, you're adding some things in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned through all of this is that our, our, our food is our fuel. And even like I went to the Mayo Clinic and they told me like to eat French fries and anything that would make me gain weight. I can't right. believe that. Yeah. Oh no, I, I, it happens I, all the time. Yeah. Yep. I know. Yeah. And so just learning how important our food is for our overall health yeah. has yeah. been a very valuable thing for me to learn. And I just, I overall feel my best eating the way that I'm eating. And so I ate a strict carnivore diet for about a year and a half. And over the last five months, I've been doing more of an animal-based approach with some fruits and some properly prepared local grains and potatoes. Mm-hmm. 
And, but I always put my focus on animal protein and fat and make sure if I do have carbs to eat them with that. And it, it has honestly worked really well for me. And yeah. so most of what I eat is meat, but I, I'm willing to have, to try really anything else as long as it doesn't have seed oils or sugar. And yeah, that's, and I just, I think sometimes it can, it's a hard thing with diet because when people go really strict, it's, it can affect you negatively mentally. Yeah. And you can either be choosing to eat nourishing foods from a place of fear or from a place of wanting to, to nourish your body and support your body. And so I think it's, it's an interesting balance because it, it's so important to eat nourishing foods, but if you're doing it from a place of stress and fear, then those benefits aren't going to be as, as significant. Exactly. Yeah, because digestion is a north to south process. So it starts in our head and what we're thinking mm -hmm. about our food. So if you're already thinking negative things about your food or you're in a stress state when you, we're not resting and digesting when we're in a stress state. Yeah. So, yeah. So our sympathetic nervous mm -hmm. system is all fired up. Yeah. I noticed that some people in the carnivore community will say like, be so scared to eat a piece of fruit. And I'm like, it's fruit. It's fine. Like just, it's not going to kill you like to have a bite of it, you know, <laughs> like, right. And right. of course, like eat the best, eat the way that makes you feel best. And if that's Absolutely. eating strict, then, then it's worth it. But I think a, a sign of true healing is also being able to, to eat a variety of, of foods that are, you know, yeah. local yeah. and properly sourced and properly prepared. And that's a, that's a sign of, of healing because I, I don't think that our bodies should, you know, re react violently to eating something other than meat. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, but we all have our own process there. Right. And mm -hmm. so when you start feeling so amazing, cause I was pretty strict carnivore for a couple of years Okay. and then, you know, just, and it was just having so much healing that I just yeah. kept doing it. And yeah. then I was like, well, wait, I think my mitochondria are getting confused. I think it's time to start introducing some seasonal local yeah. fruits and vegetables and see how I do. And that's been an interesting experiment, but I think, you know, people obviously eat whatever you, but the flexibility, yeah. I agree that metabolic flexibility were designed that way. And we've yeah. been eating plants and we've been using plants medicinally and eating them when we need to eat them for a very long time. So I'm not an anti-plant person, but I also, yeah. I think it's really important also, I think that plants get pushed on us. And especially when we're trying to heal, I don't find them very helpful. I think that once you get to a place where you're more regulated and like the histamine reactions I was having were just insane. Yes. I, and the, you know, just rash on my both down both calves and it would not go away. And I was already paleo. I was already eating what I thought was clean. So I just like to point out to people that the most nutrient dense foods that are bioavailable, meaning we can actually absorb the nutrients are going to come from animals, yeah. but you don't have to be afraid of other types of food, but yeah, we also, I, I definitely agree. And I think for some that that period of being stricter can be really beneficial for healing. And so it's just, everyone is, everyone is different, but I did find for my own personal yeah. 
journey that stricter wasn't necessarily better. I did that the strict wine diet for about eight months and I actually, I did better not or when I started introducing other meats and eggs and seafood and stuff. So yeah, you're yeah. really good at sourcing. Like were you, because you grew up eating a standard American diet, where did you learn the sourcing? Because you get some of the best source foods that I've yeah, ever Yeah, so I guess it started out with me having pretty serious histamine reactions when yeah. at the beginning of carnivore. And so I was looking for unaged meat and that's kind of how I was introduced to like the regenerative farming space. And so, and I also had like a little bit of a, you know, an ethical yes. aspect to it too, where like if I could afford to buy higher quality meats, then I, I wanted to do that and to support regenerative farming. And so that's, that's how I, I guess, became interested in that. And, you know, for the most part, I, I'd say like 90, 95% of the meat I eat is, is regeneratively raised and 100% grass fed beef and that sort of thing. But um, I also can have some, some grocery store beef and not have a crazy reaction now. And yeah. so that's really nice. But yeah, for the most part, I always try to focus on um, sourcing my foods as, as best as I can. And are you getting your produce from like local stands, like farmer's market, or can you, yeah. are you just trying to get what's seasonal? Yeah. So I, I've been trying to, to shift more towards seasonal and we do have a couple local farmer's markets that I try to get most of my produce from. And ideally I'd like to just grow it myself, but <laughs> yeah, me too. But that's maybe something that's down the road. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for now I'm happy to support the farmers. Yeah, me too. I'm grateful for especially regenerative farmers and the ones that are educating other farmers. I think that's amazing. And I, I completely agree with that. And I know that sometimes it can be really helpful to get your meat frozen from like, what is it, Billy? I'm trying to think of where, where you can get sourced your meat so that it's quickly yeah. after yeah so so white oak pastures is completely unaged north star bison uh, billy doe meats billy those doe are, that's yeah. what i was those like are the three main ones and billy doe is great but I, I actually moved towards more of like white oak north star because they're actually 100 percent grass-fed whereas billy doe actually is not but still from good farms and still really good quality, just not hundred percent grass finished. Okay. So I grew up, yeah, I mean, I was in Atlanta for 49 years. And so I love white oak pastures. That is my favorite yeah. farm. And now that yeah. I live in Florida, I still love my white oak pastures. So yeah. um, we actually visited white oak last fall. And oh, I'm so it glad. Was, yeah, it was such a cool experience. <laughs> I I mean, like, right? Once you've been, once you know, and you live this way, it's so important to to be connected to your food if you can. Yes. Yeah. I I think that's amazing. So for you too, I know for for me, I had to start with the fruits and vegetables that seemed safest to me, because I was afraid of having more histamine reactions and like allergic reactions and. So I just started whether it was seasonal or not, I just started with what felt safe and then kind of worked my way to local seasonal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
I found that I don't know about you, but I actually found that when I started adding in fruit and more vitamin C, that helped a lot with my histamine reactions. Um, And I I learned that histamine reaction or that vitamin C actually helps the body to synthesize histamine. And so it makes me wonder if strict carnivore, because you see a lot of people having histamine issues on carnivore. You really do. And so I kind of have to wonder if that that vitamin C, but it it definitely helped me. I was taking like a a whole food vitamin C supplement for a while. And that's like the only supplement I took consistently and it actually helped. And now I'm trying to obviously like now that I'm eating fruit, I'm trying to just get that from the fruit as much as I can. So yeah. Is there, are there any other supplements that were helpful besides vitamin C? Is that pretty much all you Um, you do? To be honest, I tried a lot. Yeah. And for a while there, my body was in such a hypervigilant and reactive state that I reacted to even like just normal supplements that people would never imagine that'd be possible. But um, I'd say I, I did do a little bit of organ supplements. Like for a while there, I was taking like thymus and kidney to try yeah. to help with histamine sort of issues. And I did find that helpful. I also took like a, since I don't have a gallbladder, I took the gallbladder organ supplement as well and I tried ox bile and all these things but honestly I mean sometimes it's just hard to really say with 100% certainty if it's going to do anything but yeah now I take some now I take some like magnesium in in the powdered form and I've found that to help but I I, for the most part I, I don't do a lot of supplements and I don't I don't like to you know push them or anything because I feel like you know, they can be a helpful tool for some people, but it's never going to be like the most important part of a recovery. So I know, and everybody wants a pill, but for me, I think targeted supplementation can be helpful short term, but you can't out supplement a bad diet. Like you just can't. And when you're eating nose to tail, because you also did a lot of bone marrow and I love the, the, the boat bone marrow bones make me very excited. And the only person in my family that will touch them. So um, they're so good. I know. No, uh -uh. they're like, they think I'm the weirdest thing on the planet. They're actually, it's actually a delicacy. Like at restaurants, people put it on bread, like it's like, I know if I smeared it on bread, they might eat it, but we don't have bread here. So try not to have bread here. Not that I'm against it, but everybody's in a healing season. So here we are. But I, you know, I just really appreciate that you're open and honest about things and to say like, sometimes I do this and, and sometimes it was helpful. I do think the desiccated kidney was really helpful for me for the histamine, but especially if I had to eat out. Yeah. I was, so I think sometimes it can be helpful. Yeah, I I agree. And I think honestly, like if it helps someone, even if it's just from placebo, like that's great. Yeah, I know. Right. It's, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever helps people, I'm all for anything that helps people feel better. And for you, did you like DNRS? Like, were you doing it every single day? Like those first three weeks where you really were like, wait, this is what my body has been needing. Yeah. So at that point, when I, when I started DNRS, I was still spending most of my time in bed at like at least half a day. And I, so I had the time and the capacity and energy to devote to brain retraining. And I said, I'm going to go all in with this, like hundred percent all in. And 
I told myself that even if I found something to be cheesy or <laughs> cringy or hard to relate to, that I would just give it a real good try. Okay. And yeah. so, yeah, for the first, I'd say six months or so, I did the hour of visualizations a day and really adhered to the, you know, don't talk about your symptoms and your illness and don't, don't watch the news. Don't watch scary shows. Like all the, they have all these sorts of like, I guess, recommendations and guidelines. And I look pretty strict to them. I adapted some of them to my, what fit best for me, but I did do the hour a day and, and it really did help me. I think the, sometimes the thing that I find difficult to explain about these programs is that there are parts of them that I don't like. And while DNRS, it was the best money that I spent on my health, like hands down. And I spent tens of thousands of dollars on things that, you know, were going broke over here and things that didn't help me. And so it's just, it, it was the best money that I spent on my health, but there are things I really don't like about the program, like for sure. And I want to be honest about that and saying like, if something doesn't resonate with you, like you don't have to do it. Like, and I think a lot of people with chronic illness have this perfectionism mindset where they're like, it's all or, all or nothing. I have to do everything perfectly. Or it's not going to work. It's not going to help. And, and that's just, that's just not really true. And I, something I don't like about the DNRS program is I feel like it kind of gives off a vibe that like DNRS heals you versus you heal I'm you. you. Ooh, yeah. And so I try to like, I've, said this in some of my videos about DNRS just trying to be honest about it that like you know that's something that didn't really resonate with me about the program because I while I see DNRS as a really helpful tool I see it as as a tool it's a course to kind of show you how to get started with regulating your nervous system and it's not the end-all be-all and it doesn't like something else I don't like about it is that it doesn't go into much about diet. And I think a lot of people in the brain retraining space just say, Oh, well, like you just go back to eating a standard American diet after you do brain retraining. And if that works for them, that's great. Like, I just want people to feel better, but I don't think that that's the best way at all. Like right. I I've learned, I saw so much healing just from changing my diet and our food is still our fuel and it's still is a part of nervous system regulation. And so I, you know, I think it's possible to heal without changing diet, but I think you're really fighting against the, the poor, low nutrient level foods when you're doing that. And so it's possible, but it's, it's not it's ideal, maybe not ideal. And I, I think it probably would leave people more prone to kind of having relapses. And so I agree hundred percent. I still, I mean, nutrition has always been super important to me. I think it's foundational because we hear a lot of it in the quantum health space too, right? You can eat like my friend Nico says, we can eat doo-doo on a shingle. That's like the message. And you're still, as long as your light is right and you're outside and you're grounding or earthing and all that. And I'm like, "Mm, that's just not, I just, I hope that's great for some people that the right same as you. But it just doesn't, that doesn't make sense. And it's very obvious that the way people are eating is making us very sick. Right. And it's, it's not real food. And so I think that's the point of it is that like you go into the grocery store and 99% of it isn't even real food. And 
that's a problem. Like that's not going to be good for our health, no matter what, no matter how much brain retraining we're doing, it's not going to be good for our health. And so I think nourishment is just such a huge part of our overall health. And, and like, honestly, it's interesting that you say that nutrition has always been really important for you because I, I can't say the same. When I was in college, I was like, I I felt invincible. Like I was like, I can eat whatever. And I, I can still, I was really physically strong and I, you know, it works until it doesn't work. Right. And and so obviously like I, I wasn't at optimal health, but I thought that I I was, and I thought that (laughs) I thought that I could just eat whatever and it didn't matter for my health. So, and especially like even in the early years of chronic illness, when doctors told me that it didn't matter what I ate as long as I got in calories trying to gain weight, then, like, which looking back, I'm like, what, what were they thinking? What was I thinking? <laughs> right. But right. that's the narrative we're being told. So. I know. I know. So speaking of nourish, so what is most nourishing to your body, mind, soul these days? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say connection with nature. Yeah. And I think that can really connect back to a lot of things, but just slowing down and being in the present moment and just, yeah, connecting with nature, sunlight, grounding, um, of course, diet, it's important and nervous system regulation is important, but I think sometimes just the simple things make a bigger difference than we realize. And Lately, I've been trying to focus on on slowing down because that's really hard to do, <laughs> yeah. but it, it makes a difference. So, yeah, well, because you're giving back a lot, so always putting content out there. You're coming on shows like this, doing lots of interviews, which I'm really grateful for. And and are you also like working and doing all that again? So I I'm not. So this is essentially what's turned into my job. And it's something that I just started when I was really sick, just hoping to encourage other people going through similar things. And it's, it's turned into something that, you know, is starting to help support my family. And which is really great because I, I, I always wanted to have a job that I felt passionate about and something that I could help others with. And so that's what I'm planning to continue to do. I want to be a mother eventually and have kids. And so I, I don't plan to go back to having a full-time job or having a be employed by someone else. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you coach other people or is that not yet? So I, I went through a, a brain coach course and brain coaching course. And I, at this point, I just, it doesn't feel like the right direction for me to go. And it's actually one of the most common questions that I get, but I just, I still feel like I need to just prioritize my own recovery and I'm not quite ready to take on other people's healing journeys individually yet. But I I also just wanna focus my time and energy on creating as much content as I can that, that anyone can listen to and anybody can learn from just because I want to be able to encourage as many people as I possibly can. And I really just want to shout from the rooftops that healing from chronic illness is possible. 
So. Yeah, completely possible, which you're doing and you've been doing. And we're also grateful for that because you're way too big of a sunshine to be in bed inside, not out. <laughs> oh, um, I appreciate it. The world. So <laughs> yeah, you. thank you so much for taking time. Is there anything that we missed or did we cover it all? I, I think we're good. I, I guess just healing is possible. Do anything you can to get there and I'm cheering. I'm cheering you on. Right. Never <laughs> give up. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Nourish Soul podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you are, I would love it if you would rate the show. And I'm also going to ask a favor. If you have not already done so, if you would consider subscribing to the show, it is very helpful for us to have more subscribers. And I greatly appreciate all of our subscribers. I also wanted to give you a couple of places where you could get more information if you wanted it. I am putting more videos on my YouTube channel, some shorter videos, some longer videos, but I'm spending more time putting content there that I hope will be helpful. It is still about nourishing the body, mind, soul, information about quantum health, nutrition, mental health, anything that I have found to be particularly helpful, but it's that fresh perspective on vitality and healing that I have there. So you can go over there and find it. Dr. Kelly Ritter is the name of my channel. I'm also putting more information and putting more time into Instagram. So if you're on social media and you want to connect, I love to connect with people via Instagram, Dr. Underscore Kelly on Instagram. And I'm doing more lives on Instagram and put, trying to put, <laughs> doing my best to put more information out, especially on the quantum health strategies that I think are so helpful for people, but in bite-sized pieces. So you can digest that, get it on the go, whatever you need to do there. And hopefully that will be helpful to more people. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful. I love doing this show and it is my pleasure to bring it to people and hope that is, it is helpful in your own journey. I hope you are being really good to yourself this week and that you're having a fantastic week. So happy healing.